This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. At long last, Manchester United has agreed to terms with its next managerial hire. David Ornstein at The Athletic reports that IX manager Eric Ten Hag has agreed to take charge at Old Trafford. Carl Anka and Laurie Whitwell analyze what that all means on this show. Also, Sam Stasekel joins me to preview what the second leg of the NYCFC Seattle Sounders CONCACAF Champions League semifinal could look like. I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic, and this is Soccer Every Day for Wednesday, April 13th. As I said at the top, Manchester United has agreed to terms with Eric Ten Hag, according to the Athletics' David Ornstein. Our Manchester United reporters, Carol Anka and Laurie Whitwell, hosted a live room on the Athletic to discuss the hire, the contract, and what it all means. Let's send it over to them for a brief clip. Uh, I think this is probably now, if you look at the Premier League, Team 1 to Team 20, the Premier League now probably has five of the top 10 managers in the world, which is ridiculous. This is probably the first time since the retirement of Alex Ferguson that Manchester United have hired one of the best managers in the world while they are still one of the best managers in the world. Uh, as reported by David Oldenstein, it's a verbal agreement. The contract's going to be up to four years. Laurie, do you think that's one of those three years plus one that uh, United are so such big fans of? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying that one again. It's a funny... Um, sort of approach that they take in that and I, I know that for some players they uh, do try and push back against it because they kind of think well if I'm worth four years ultimately you know give me the four year contract right now they don't like the addition of the extra year but we'll see I suppose in the fullness of time um, yeah David Ornstein on the money again with stories is incredible isn't he um, the amount of information he gets um, but yeah verbal agreement um, it sounds like it's been a while in the making Carl I mean are you kind of happy that this saga you know hopefully is, is over now you know it's not like going to drag on for too much longer I'm surprised it's been complete at least in a verbal agreement before the end of the season so uh, as reported with Edwin Ornstein uh, Ajax are aware of the situation they still need to deal we need to finalise details of documentation no written agreement will be made until after Ajax play PSV Eidenhoven in the Dutch Cup final on April 17th which is Easter Sunday, um, and United and Ten Hag have declined to comment at the moment. However, if David Ornstein wakes up and tells me I'm going to have a tuna sandwich for lunch, I, I tend to end <laughs> up having a tuna sandwich for lunch, such as his uh, fantastic ability to tell me what's going on next in the future. Quickly, Carl, you mentioned um, you know top five managers in the world. Uh, is Ten Hag definitely in there? Because, I mean, maybe I'm being um, harsh <laughs> as, as a judge. Um, I just could, I, you know, wrote a piece not too long ago where when you when Man City went and hired Pep, you knew the experiences bringing in. He had, he had you know, guarantee of trophies already. Jurgen Klopp, same thing with Liverpool. He'd achieve you know, big things with Dortmund. Ten Hag definitely has done really well with Ajax and, and probably overachieved with the um, with what he's done in, in Champions League. But I don't know, is, is he definitely in that bracket, do you think? 
Yes, unquestionably. So I, I would say right now, top two managers in the world are, this is going to hurt me to say, top two managers in the world are Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. You can say whichever way you want. And then within that top five, I'd probably include Antonio Conte. Uh, I would definitely include Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, and I'd say it that, you know, I'd say that's, that's, your, that's your strong sort of top five. Whoever you want to put in there as, as, as your fifth, I'm going to leave that one up to you. I say La Liga has a, a fantastic selection of great managers right now. I say Luis Enrique and the Spanish national team is probably in the top 10, as is, I'm going to say Ancelotti's top 20. I'm not going to say he's top 10. And I'd say the level of overachievement, not just to, to, to be that good with the Ajax team in the Dutch League in the Eredivisie, but what he is doing with Ajax at a continental level, not just the fact he had that great Ajax team of 18, 19, but what he did after the departure of Frankie de Jong and after the departure of Matthias de Ligt. Um, yeah. I would say he's probably in the top 10 of managers. I will also preface, and I'll say this now, and I'll say this in talk levels, my partner is Dutch and supports Ajax. So uh, a lot of this is coming from her telling me how good this team is. And I watched quite a few Ajax games this season because they play quite often on the Sunday. Uh, and I think in terms of a tactical brain, I'd say he's probably a tactical brain slightly ahead of Mauricio Pochettino. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a little conversation with Sam Sam Brown about this in that a Poch team is brilliant. And the, the Spurs team that finished second to Chelsea and the Spurs team that finished third uh, to Leicester City and Arsenal were fantastic. And those were Pochettino teams. But I think one of the, the question marks I had over Pochettino and one of the question marks we still have in this PSG team is the route to become a Poch team and the decline from becoming a Poch team can be quite stark. So on your way to becoming a Poch team, you tend to lose 1-0 to Wigan at home. And on the way down, you tend to lose more than 1-0 uh, to, to Brighton away from home. Whereas Ten Hag has shown he's got a great degree of scalability. Not only is he able to have a very clear idea of how he wants the team to play, um, he's very good at getting to a team and going, oh, hang on, you're not going to learn this in six months. But in those six months, I'm going to put these things in place so you don't have an embarrassing nil-nil draw to a team that is likely to end up in relegation. It's going to be a big jump to go from Dutch football to English football. But I think in terms of pure tactics, in terms of a man who, who has an idea of how to play football and his way to impart that to football players when given time, I'd say Ten Hag is up there with some of the best managers in the world. I think the big question mark is, is he going to have the time to coach? And I don't know that yet. Uh, I think I said this on a different Manchester United section. And I said, a lot of this comes from the fact that I don't speak Dutch that well. Um, but I, I think one of the big things at Manchester United right now is, can you push back when Manchester United dysfunction occurs and say, leave me alone, I'm focusing on my job and how to do set pieces? Thanks so much to Carl and Laurie for that. Now for your TV guide for today. As always, all times are Eastern in the Champions League. It's yet another big day. Atletico Madrid versus Manchester City. That's at 3 p.m. on Paramount+. Plus. Man City is up 1-0 in this one. We'll see if Atletico Madrid carries over those extremely defensive tactics they showed in the first leg in the second one now that they're playing at home. Also at 3 p.m., Liverpool versus Benfica. Liverpool is up 3-1 in this one. They're playing at home. That game is going to be on big CBS in addition to Paramount Plus and Galavision in Spanish. And Atletico Madrid versus Manchester City will be on Paramount Plus and Tudeane.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's also a big day in the Copa Libertadores once again. Uh, three games to look out for here. River Plate versus Fortaleza. River Plate, of course, being one of the big name teams in Argentina. Also at eight, That's at 8 p.m. Also at 8 p.m., Nacional versus Estudiantes. Nacional is one of the biggest clubs in Uruguay. And they are playing Estudiantes, of course, a very great traditional Argentine club. But if I could only pick one game from the Copa Libertadores slate to watch tonight, I would definitely pick Atletico Minero versus America Minero. Also at 8 p.m., also on BN Sports. This, of course, is a meeting between two of the biggest teams in Belo Horizonte, Brazil. It is a derby referred to as O Clásico das Mochijóis which is also the translation is the Derby of the Masses. Pretty awesome name. Uh, and it should be a really, really good game. In addition to that, in Liga Amekis at 9.05, we have two big name teams, Chivas de Guadalajara versus Monterrey. That is on Telemundo. And then, of course, in the CONCACAF Champions League at 9 p.m., New York City FC versus Seattle Sounders. The Sounders are up 3-1 in this one. The winner of this tie plays the winner of Pumas and Cruz Azul, which I don't know the winner of that game yet at the time of this recording. But for more on NYCFC versus Seattle, let's send it over to my conversation with Sam Stasekul. Okay, it is Wednesday, uh, but we're recording this on Tuesday. A bunch of really exciting Champions League action uh, just finished up. Uh, so we don't know yet who wins tonight's game against Pumas and Cruz Azul for one side of the CONCACAF Champions League. But the other side of the semifinal happens tonight. It's an all MLS game, New York City versus Seattle Sounders. And I have Sam Stasekul here to preview this game with me, sort of talk about what to expect. Sam... The first leg happened. <laughs> uh, the Sounders were pretty dominant, winning 3-1. Uh, are you expecting something similar in the second leg uh, in New York's, in the New York City metropolitan, <laughs> roughly, area? <laughs> in New Jersey. <laughs> in yeah. New Jersey. Not in the uh, five boroughs. Um, yeah. No, I am not. Uh, the Sounders were pretty dominant in that match. Uh, their front six, I think, has the potential to be the best in the league and, and one of the better, really, in MLS history, I think it's fair to say. And you can see that they're starting to figure it out, especially in the, in the leg one and their in their previous match in MLS a few days before that. Um, they were really good. Ruzanak and Jao Paulo were running run the midfield. Christian Roldan and Alex Roldan were excellent on the right-hand side. Jordan Morris made some really big contributions, had a really nice goal. Nico Lodero and Raul Ruiz Diaz, their two best players, two of the best players in the history of the club. Um, they weren't even firing. And the Sounders yeah. were awesome. Um, and, and so those guys are both kind of working their way back from lengthy injury absences. So as they kind of click and get going, um, I think that attack will look pretty scary. That being said, NYCFC defending MLS cup champions, plenty of talent in their own right. They're coming back home. 
It's a two-goal deficit, which, as we saw this afternoon in the UEFA Champions League, um, is not insurmountable. Although, you know, once you, sur- once you, you, win. Once yeah. you surmount <laughs> it, you got to hold on to it. Um, true. So they'll, they'll, they'll like their odds. Um, I know they do like their odds. In fact, listening to Tati Castellanos and Ronnie Dyla in their press conferences earlier today. So I'm, I'm expecting NYCFC to take, take the initiative and, and really go out there and try and dictate the game in a way that they did not. Uh, in Seattle last week, and we'll see what how that shakes out. Um, but I expect them to have a lot more of the run and play. There, there are a lot of elements that are sort of at play in this particular matchup. One of them is that neither of these teams is in all that great a form in MLS play so far. Neither has played in between the first leg of this particular semifinal and the second leg, which is happening tonight. Another factor that factors into this game specifically, which I referenced at the top, is that this game will be played at yet another home stadium for New York City Football Club, which famously plays usually their MLS games in Yankee Stadium. I believe that (laughs) they are not playing there here because it is not a a CONCACAF approved venue. That's correct. Um, So this would make it, I believe, Sam, correct me if I'm wrong, their fourth home stadium, quote unquote, of the year so far. Of course, one of those famously being in in Southern California, where they played their first (laughs) Champions League home match because of, you know... They didn't want to fly back and forth to the East Coast and then down to Costa Rica and then back to the West Coast to play the Galaxy in MLS. So, Which is, by the way, a, a completely fine, I think, like on the surface, like a, a perfectly yeah, fine rationale. But, but it's also hilarious beca- to say that nothing says New York City like <laughs> Los Angeles. They're, they're, bi- they're the bi-coastal <laughs> club, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it's illustrative of just kind of the difficulties this team has had over the years. You know, and part of the reason they probably felt like they could go play that home game in L.A. was because they probably weren't going to draw that many people to wherever they would have hosted it in the New York area. And part of the reason they struggle with attendance is because of their stadium situation, which is Yankee Stadium most of the time. Um, and, and, and so it's just a difficult, difficult issue for them. And there's no real solution on the horizon at this point. You know, they were linked with a site in the South Bronx adjacent basically to Yankee Stadium. Um, that was dealt kind of a, a hammer blow last summer. Um, you know, when I spoke to the club president, Brad Sims, before MLS Cup, he was hopeful that they could maybe resurrect that in the first 100 days of the Eric Adams mayor administration. Um, I don't know if we've gotten to 100 days yet, but it's close if we haven't of that yeah. administration. Um, and it doesn't appear to be like there's any movement from what I've heard that that site is, you know, it ain't happening. So it's back to the drawing board again. And it's difficult because this club does so many things well from a sporting perspective. They play good soccer. They're consistently at or near the top of the entire league. And then they finally got the knockout success in the playoffs last fall. And and now they're doing it again in Champions League and have a real chance to maybe be the first MLS team to win this trophy. But they can't get it together off the field. And it just holds them back and any story about this club has to like that's a huge part of it and it's unfortunate but it's reality i should say for uh, posterity that the uh, venues that they'll play at, at at home as a home field this year in all competitions are of course yankee stadium Rental Field in East Hartford Connecticut yeah uh, i believe they played at bank of california stadium yep. in los angeles uh, this game will be at red bull arena and eventually they'll be playing some league games at City Field. So they'll have both the, both the baseball stadiums in the five boroughs covered uh, by the end of the year. <laughs> the major league baseball stadiums. Major league baseball stadium, of course. Um, now, 
as to the second point, what do you make of these two teams' form in MLS so far? It's obviously very early in the season. Uh, teams haven't really gotten beyond seven games yet. Both these uh, clubs have played, I believe, five. Yeah. Uh, Seattle is currently 11th in the West. They're 2-1-2. and two. NYCFC 12th, 1-1-3. and three. You know, these are not uh, marks that scream elite, <laughs> no. at least early so far. So what is this just a simple matter of them redirecting a lot of their energies into CCL at the expense of league form, or is there something else happening here? Uh, no, it's the redirection that you mentioned. You know, both yes. teams have had to rotate the squad. Um, they've prioritized Champions League, and I think rightfully so, because when you look at the other side of the bracket, Cruz Azul and Pumas, you know, they're, they're good teams, but they're not overwhelming. Like, if Seattle or New York advance, they might even be favored against either of those opponents for League MX. So go for, go for Champions League. MLS, by its very nature, is pretty forgiving. You have a lot of time to go and make the playoffs, right? So yeah. so go for it in the beginning of the season, see where the chips fall. This is kind of par for the course for MLS teams that have done well in Champions League in prior years. You know, they typically struggle while, while they're in, in that competition in MLS play. So I'm not worried about either of them. I still think they're two of the better teams in the league when they're, when they're firing. And as long as they can stay mostly healthy, then I don't think they'll have any issue qualifying for the postseason either. Okay, Sam, well, I know you'll be on site for us here at The Athletic. I look forward to your coverage from the game and and certainly from uh, whichever one of these teams makes the, Ch- the CONCACAF Champions League final. We'll definitely have an MLS team in there against a Liga Mekis team, and that'll be very exciting. This uh, is the year, for- Alex. It's going to happen. This is the year. It's going to happen. That this is the year that we'll have an MLS team in the final. I can say that for sure. Uh, <laughs> the fifth year, I think. So, but no, yeah. an MLS team is going to win. I'm calling it right now. Consider it called. Sam, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Alex. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. You can read more about all the stories we covered on this show, from the CONCACAF Champions League to the Champions League to Eric Ten Hag's appointment on The Athletic. I'll throw a bunch of links in the show's description. Thanks for listening, and happy soccer to you all.